I'm really excited to speak about the word today. Uh, it's one of my favorite topics, but it's been, it's been a bit of a, a challenge getting here. Um, the last couple of weeks, we've had sickness in our family. We've had injuries in our family. We've had, um, I have chickens, for those of you who know, I have like, not like a ton, I don't have hundreds, but I have enough for our family. And um, a wolf, a fox. <laughs> I'm just going to ramp up the story right now. And then a wolf came in. <laughs> it's getting better and better. Thanks, Tim, for keeping me honest. Um, a fox came in to our fenced-in area, and it wasn't pretty. They didn't get all of them, but, yeah, it was so sad. It was so sad. So it's, it was like a tough week. There was a lot of, like, pushing through and uh, dealing with weird, random things. Um, but I'm here, and I'm happy, and uh, we're speaking about the Bible. So this is one of my, really one of my favorite topics, because I have grown to love the Word of God more and more, and the more I'm in it, the more I love it, the more I'm in it, the more I realize um, how deep and how rich it is, and how much more there is to explore in it. Um, there's, there's just no end to the depths, and um, it's it's... It is one of the most beautiful ways to practice abiding with the Lord. So, um, a little, few little facts, little interesting facts, is that um, the Bible has been the most translated, published, and studied book in history, um, and its translations is in approximately 1,500 languages across the world. I know, it's amazing. Thanks, Tim. Um, <laughs> that, is, that is a wow. Um, there's 66 books in the Bible, um, as you probably know, in various genres, written by 40-plus authors of all kinds of backgrounds across 10 civilizations, three continents, in three different languages. So it's, it's like such a diverse book. There's no other book in the world like it that is written by so many people across so many... Um, years and ages and landscapes and faces and cultures, um, but it all tells the same story. And it is, it is the best-selling book. It, I think it will forever be the best-selling book because it is filled with the truth of God. They say they, um, the British, British and Foreign Bible Society in 2021 estimated that there's between, there has been between five and seven billion copies of the Bible sold, and that they, there's about 80 million that are sold every year. So that means people are still buying it, and people are still interested, and it's, it's not on the decline. I, I think there's a lot of messages out there that, oh, it's decreasing, it's on the decline. I don't think it is. I think it's on the increase, and I think it will continue to increase because it's full of truth, and people want truth, and they hunger for truth, and when they find it, they go after it. So um, it's all of those things and all of those authors, but it is actually by one author, and that's the Holy Spirit working through all those different people through the different ages to tell a story. And it is a story. It's a story of Jesus, first and foremost. It's a story of mankind and God's plan for salvation. And, it, and just like every story, it has a beginning. It has um, 
a crisis, the fall, you know, it's a, there's a crisis point in it. There is characters all throughout the Bible. There's drama, so much drama. If you've read the Bible, you know there's so much, I mean, there's wars, there's blood, gore, there's, there's sexual stories in there, there is um, forgiveness, there's relational stories, there's the rise and fall of empires. I mean, it's very interesting. As a book, it's very interesting. But remember, it's not just a book. <laughs> We're going to go through so much of that. But um, it has a hero, as every story does. Anybody know? <laughs> Anybody want to call it out? It's Jesus, right? It has, a, it has a hero, and it has a final epic resolution. It's a story where we know the beginning, we know the middle, and we actually know the ending, but we're still in the story. We are right now a part of that story, even though your name isn't written, you know, it's not like Ryan is written in the book, but your story, Ryan, is still a part of the Bible because you're living out this New Testament act story. So it is the most unique book I think there ever it has been, and well, I know, and there ever will be. So um, not just is it a story, it is a story with the power of God in it. First John, no, not First John, John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus himself, God himself, is in the Word of God. And today we're going to be talking about um, how abiding in his Word and abiding in his word is abiding in him. It really is. Um, Jesus said in John 8, 31 to 32, he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I know we've talked about that word abide lots of times. I think it's been broken down and explained, but I'm going to do it again. Um, I love to look at what the word originally means, either in the Greek language or the Hebrew language. That's one of my practices that I do when I'm reading, is I'm often like digging in, what does this word mean? What is that? What, what are other ways that this could have been translated? So for abide, other ways it could be translated were our remain, stay in a given place or state, wait, endure, to continue to be present in, to persevere, and it speaks of him who cleaves or holds fast to a thing. So when we're abiding, we're doing all of that. We are holding fast. We're cleaving. We're clinging to. We're remaining. We're staying. And Jesus promises that those who do that will know the truth. So that means as we abide, we're going to know what's true and what's a lie. As we abide in his word, we're going to know what's right and what's wrong. We're going to know what's beneficial versus what's unhelpful. We're going to know um, how to walk the straight and narrow, so to say, versus kind of wandering off in all sorts of distracting, distraction, um, distracting distractions, all sorts of distractions, <laughs> to say it that way. But it's better than that. It's not just knowing right from wrong. It's not just knowing what to do. There's, there's a better and a deeper truth in there. The word know here, if we go back, if you abide in my word, um, you will know the truth. 
and the truth will set you free. That word know here refers to a knowing that comes through personal experience. It's a more intimate knowing. It's used in sexual contexts, other places in the Bible. It's, it's a, a knowing through experience. So as we abide, we have a personal experience with the truth. And the truth is Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So as you're abiding in the word, you're actually having real personal experiences with Jesus. It's not just any old book. It's, a, it's an encounter with God himself in the word. Um, a little later, in John 15, he says, whoop, I just cut out. Am I okay? Holding, I'm still holding it high. Okay. Um, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, remember that word abide, remains in, continues in, um, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So, as my words remain in you, or as my words endure in you, or continue to be present in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done. And I think sometimes we read that and we're like, hey, I can ask whatever I wish, it's gonna be done. And then we're like, oh, it didn't happen. Wow, that sucks. That's what he says. You know, I quoted it, I declared it, I, and, and I'm not, I love quoting and declaring my family knows that I I have, like, scriptures up. I have them up in the shower. I've got, like, I love to sit and just say scriptures and have them in front of you. I believe in declaring. But it's not just about declaring. It's about understanding what are we saying and what's, what is um, required of us. And I think as we abide in his word, what happens is we are transformed to have his heart. And so then the things that we're asking for are the things that the Father is already wanting to give. We're just aligning ourselves with, with Him. It's not like, you know, a kid writing Santa Claus a letter saying, I want this and I want that. And not that the Father, the Father loves to give you good gifts, but this isn't about a checklist of things that I can ask God for and He's going to give, right? It's about my heart being aligned with His heart, like Jesus Jesus said, whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So there's an alignment there. That happens. Um, do you guys know who Stephanie Gretzinger is? Anybody know? She's a worship leader and a teacher. Um, I really enjoy listening to her music and her, her, her um, teachings. And a while ago, not too long ago, maybe a few months ago, I heard her say, I don't want anything to be found in me that isn't found in him. I don't want anything to be found in me that isn't found in him. Oh, those words really, they just hit me so deeply. And um, I just, I, I thought about how that would impact my whole life. Everything I say, found in him. Everything I think, found in him. Everything I look at, is it found in him? Everything, um, every way that I treat my family, what do I say, the things I say to Tim or my kids or my friends or my mom, or, you know, is it found in him? Every action, every way I respond to a situation, a difficult situation maybe, stressful situation, whatever, is when I'm driving, 
and somebody cuts me off? Is my response found in him, or is it found in something else? And um, they, th what happens as we abide is he becomes our focus. He becomes the way we respond. He becomes the way we think. He becomes um, the way we uh, answer people. He become, we become him, and his responses and his, his very essence becomes us. They say that we have anywhere between 6,000 and 70,000 thoughts a day. That's a very large range, but I don't know what, like, is the 6,000 kind of more simple people and the 70,000 like, like the more educated, high education people, or is it, is it different? Is it maybe like the 6,000 are like kind of the calm, steady, and they only think a few thoughts because they only need to think a few thoughts. And the 70,000 is like the chaotic people who are like, oh, I can't stop thinking. I don't know. But whatever. 60,000, 70,000, all of that is a lot of thoughts to have in a day, right? Even if we go down to like the 6,000, right? Um, that's still a lot of thoughts to have in a day. And, you know, this isn't a self-help talk but I'll throw this in for free, that if you abide in the Word of God, your self-talk and all those thoughts, 6,000 or 70,000 or somewhere in between, they are going to be much more beneficial for you because you're going to be transformed with truth. And it's truth that's going to be running through your mind instead of um, thoughts from the world. And there's a lot of thoughts in the world right now, and we are bombarded with those, with those thoughts. Proverbs 4, 23 says, above, else, all else guard, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. And then I went and dug up that word heart again, and what does it mean, and you know, what, what other ways could it be trans, translated? And um, it's mind, will, heart, inner man, and sometimes attention. So we could say, above all else, guard your mind. Or above all else, guard your attention or your focus. And I just want to take a minute here and ask you, what are you giving your attention to? What is it in the world that gets your attention right now? Because there are, there are so many things. I don't think there's ever been a time in history where we have so many things vying for our attention. And it's a battle. It's a battle for me. I, I, I am a, a battle I am really actively right now trying to fight. Um, one of my favorite prayers, prayers is um, from Psalm 119, verse 37. It says, turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Some translations say your ways, but his word verifies his ways. And I just want to say, I want to challenge you right now to be diligent, to be really diligent about what you're giving your attention to, um, because it is a, it's a slippery slope. It's, I mean, everybody knows how easy it is to start scrolling, and, you know, an hour and a half later, you're like, oh, 
shoot, you know, how did I end up here? And why am I watching funny videos of, you know, cats or whatever, or whatever, whatever it is, wherever you end up scrolling, maybe for some of you it is videos, maybe it's somebody else's news or whatever, but that, that trap, and it is an addiction, it releases the, the same feelings um, that happen during addiction. If you go to the bathroom and turn on your phone, you have time to be with the Lord because you could turn something else, you know, we could, you could have a Bible in the bathroom. Like, why not, right? Or listen to Scripture or whatever. So I just want to say that, that we do have time. We do have time. It's just about how we allot that time. And um, sometimes it feels like it's a reprieve, like I just need a break. But he's actually a better break. And what, what you're going to get in those moments where you take a break with him is going to be way more beneficial and transformational than taking a break on your phone. So anyways, okay, I'm, I don't want to lecture too long about that. I feel like I am. <laughs> but I will quote Caleb a few weeks ago. He said, the input really does determine the output in your life. So just guard what your input is so that and, and you will see the fruit of it in your output. Um, now, we're not only, you know, directing our attention away from something. We're directing it to something. So, while you're guarding yourself in that area, point yourself into encountering Jesus and encountering his word. And we can trust the scriptures because Jesus trusted the scriptures. Um, I'm not going to do an apologetics talk today about why the Bible is um, trustworthy, because many of us in here already believe that, and if you don't, um, that would be a really good thing to research, because there is a lot of um, logical and historical reasons to trust the validity of the Bible. Coming from somebody who does believe the Bible, I know I can trust it because Jesus did, and in fact, he quoted it many times, and he quoted it about himself. Um, he, in Luke chapter 4, he quotes from Isaiah 61, and then he says, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, talking about himself. He was referencing himself, and then he said, today, that's fulfilled right here in your hearing. Later, he says, if you believed um, Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he, you, since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? So Jesus, he not only did he quote it, he valued the scriptures. He um, he talked about them. He sang them. He would have sang them in the synagogues. He um, he confessed them. He lived by them. He validated them in in how he spoke about them. So, um, and like I said, he pointed to them and said, "Hey, they're all about me." And actually, like I said at the start, the whole Bible is about Jesus from the Old Testament to the New Testament. I heard someone explain it this way. He said, the Old Testament is the anticipation of Jesus. The Gospels are the manifestation of Jesus. The book of Acts is the proclamation of Jesus. The epistles are the explanation of Jesus. And Revelation is the consummation of Jesus. Um, the Old Testament has, I mean, it's hard to count. People have had different numbers, so you may Google a different number than I did. I looked for a while and tried to find that one was 
well used, but around 575 different references to the coming Messiah that point to Jesus. And when you start looking at them, you're like, oh, he fulfilled that one. Oh, he fulfilled that one. Oh, that one was him too. Oh, that one was him too. So um, Jesus constantly referenced them, and he said that they were about him. Okay, Scripture is about Jesus, and it is alive. It's alive, and it's active. We talked earlier about how... um, Uh, In the start of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was in God. Second Timothy says, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And that word, um, God-breathed, I'm going to see if I can pronounce this right, in Greek, I googled it, and I listened for a long time about how to say it. So it's um, deopneutos. Sorry if there's any Greek people or any Greek scholars. That's my best try. Deopneutos. Um, And the first half is theos, T-H-E-O-S, and that refers to God. And then the second half has P-N-E-O, and that means to breathe out. Okay? So if it is God-breathed, That means his breath is still on it. And that means when you are receiving his word and you're engaging with his word, you're receiving the very breath of God into you. It also, to me, the way I think about that is that I'm close to him. I'm close to him because I don't receive the breath of many people into me. (laughs) That sounded kind of gross, but... um, (laughs) You understand, I have to be pretty close to somebody for their breath to get on me and for their breath to get into me. And so when we are encountering and interacting with Scripture and it's God-breathed, you are, you're face-to-face with God. You're drawing close to Him. And he is, His words are actually life and breath coming into you. Um, it's active. That word is the same word, the active word is the same word that we use for energy, which means it's working on you. It, it, it has power within it. So while, um, you know, we don't want to just read through Scripture like blah, 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 blah you know, and just kind of do it to get it done, the process of reading Scripture actually activates something in you. I mean, we've heard, I've heard a number of stories um, of people coming into encounter with God just because they heard the Scripture, just because they heard the Gospel. They weren't, they weren't looking for it. There's lots of stories where people didn't even, you know, they were antagonistic to it. And yet hearing the Gospel and hearing the Word of God changed something in them. It's active. It, it, it is alive in you. Um, there are, there's lots of times where I have... Um, I'm reading the scriptures, and, you know, I get the surface meaning of it. I can tell, like, okay, this means that. But something inside of me is stirring, and I don't know what's happening. I, don't, I know that there's a lot more going on in the word that I'm reading. My mind isn't understanding it, but my spirit is feeling it. 
And that's because it's alive and it's doing something. And in those moments, I often just pause and I just like, I close my eyes and I'm like, Holy Spirit, would you just make this real in me? Would you just, would you transfer the truth of what is happening in your word here into me? I don't understand it, but I can feel you on it. So just bring my spirit into union. And those are, I, like, when that happens, I encourage you to pause because I, I feel like that's a holy moment where your spirit is connected with the Holy Spirit. Like, there's, like, a direct connection through his word. And just, just sit with it. You don't have to understand it. It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit will bring understanding when the time comes. But just allow. We're, we're spiritual beings first, not intellectual beings. We're, our, our spirit is what connects with God. The Bible says God is spirit. So just allow that. Sit and let it. Let him just work his goodness in you through that. Um, there's a quote somewhere here that I have for Bill Johnson. Do you, want, do you guys know where that is? Do you? I kind of skipped ahead, but oh, here it is. He says, to understand means yielding to something before we can explain, define, or describe it. Biblical understanding far surpasses the intellect. We don't have faith because we understand. We understand because we have faith. In other words, it is imperative to accept and understand things without completely satisfying our intellect. Biblical learning takes place in the Spirit as we obey the Spirit of God. Our spirit communicates it to our minds, so we eventually intellect can accept it intellectually. It's a transformational process. He transforms us. He works within us, even when we don't even know what's happening in us. Uh, Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And you've probably heard that that word transform, maybe you haven't, is the, is the same word as metamorphosis, um, which is like the process of a butterfly, right? Um, the Passion Translation puts it this way. It says, we are to be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a reformation or a reformation of how you think. There was a study done in 2009. Some of you maybe saw this on, it kind of went around on the internet for a while, um, of over 40,000 Americans ranging in the age from eight years old to 80. And it found that for those who read their Bible four times a week or more, so not two or three or not once or not just, you know, Sunday afternoon at church, but read their Bible, engaged with their Bible four times a week or more. These were the results. Feeling lonely dropped 30%. Anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped by 40%. Alcoholism dropped, alcoholism dropped by 57%. Gambling by 74%. Next slide. 
There is sex outside of marriage drops 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%. Viewing pornography dropped by 61%. Sharing your faith jumps 200%. Isn't that amazing? Disciplining others, 230%. And memorizing scripture jumped 407%. That's four days out of the week. I'm, I'm challenging you to do all seven. Why skip a day? What could be better? What's more valuable, right? Imagine, imagine what would happen if it was seven days a week, right? Um, but it takes time, and it's, it's a process. Um, Caleb quoted Eugene Peterson a few weeks ago. It's long obedience in the same direction. It's not like, hey, I read my Bible today. Why did I have a bad day? Or, hey, like I read my Bible. I've been reading it for two weeks, and I'm still struggling with X, Y, Z. It's long obedience. There's a process of transformation. We are in a fast society, and we want to see things happen fast. But God, I've, I don't think I've ever known him to be in a hurry. I think, was it you who said that? Yeah, I think Darren said that, right? He's not in a hurry, and he transforms us through a process I want to encourage you when you're reading your Bible, um, there's a lot of scriptures in there that can be challenging or difficult. They're just uncomfortable. There's lots that, you know, when you read it, you kind of want to, oh, 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 oh. okay, I read through that, like the whole book of Job almost, right? Like, <laughs> they're, not, they're not easy to read. We don't understand them necessarily. Um, I want to um, encourage you to let that be okay with you. Because the Bible is full of mystery. And um, just allowing that um, to sit with you that you don't know is a good thing. Because, first of all, why, why, why would we understand everything in the Bible? It's God's book, and we need him to reveal. How, I mean, how could we possibly just sit down and understand the whole thing? right? And, and there's scriptures I found in my own life where um, as I've sat with them for a long time or just meditated on them um, or sang them, Josiah's God, is, you know, he's encouraged us to sing, sing them, um, that it's in that, that waiting that God begins to reveal what the actual message is in there. Because sometimes on the surface it can be like, oh, well, that was weird, you know, or that was awful. Or, or in the research, sometimes researching. Um, I'm, I'm right now, interestingly, reading a book about um, women um, ministering and being released to preach. Thanks, guys. <laughs> but, and, and it's so interesting as I'm reading historically the context of um, uh, when, when some of the books were written and in um, and, and the Old Testament and the Greeks and the raw, like I'm, there's so much understanding. So as I'm, as I'm reading in the New Testament, there's like a whole context for what some of the things Paul said were. And, it, and it's like, oh, I, I get what this means now. But it's, this has been a long process of, of kind of pressing in and digging into some of the difficult scriptures. And um, you may not get understanding that day. You may not get understanding that year. It may be years. There's scriptures that I'm still waiting for the Lord to show me what that means. But that's great. We're on a journey together. And I'm on a journey with Him. And um, I, I want to say, if, 
um, if, if you're reading Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, and it's painting a picture for you of a God that isn't a good God, you misunderstand, you're not, there's something that's missing. There's something in it that you're not understanding because Jesus himself is the center of Scripture. And uh, um, we want to have a Christ-centered theology. So that means the whole Bible is understood through the lens of Jesus. John 1 verse 18 says, um, Jesus says, he says, no one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. He has explained him. Why did Jesus have to explain God? They had the Old Testament. And I just want to maybe suggest that it wasn't enough to explain who God really was, the fullness of God. We needed Jesus to come on the scene and explain him. So if there is something in the Old Testament that conflicts with the revelation of who Jesus is in the Gospels and in the New Testament, then allow the New Testament and the revelation of who Jesus is to kind of use it as a lens to look back instead of using the Old Testament as a lens to look forward and say, well, this is who God is. Turn it around and, and let Jesus explain the Old Testament. And, and in that, it still takes time sometimes, but it's just a, a, a little bit of a shift, I think, to help us deal with some of the more difficult passages. Um, another key I just want to say in that is that let Scripture interpret Scripture. So if you have Scripture and you don't understand it, see what the rest of the Bible says about it, right? See what there's, sometimes there's things that are referenced in different places. We'll collect that together. And, and you know, I do love the um, one scripture, like I told you, I have like declarations all over my house. So I have like single scriptures all over my house. But the Bible's a story. And so use the story to explain the story instead of just like, well, this one verse says X, Y, Z, you know, whatever it says, that might be difficult to understand. Let that remember that there's a whole, there's a, the whole book is a story. So use that book to help explain what that scripture, what that scripture is. And the goal of reading, and I think this is probably my most important point, is to encounter God. It's not just to do the duty. It's not to, you know, have something that you've memorized. It's not to be able to have a good conversation or debate with somebody. It's not to have something cool or smart to say in your connect group, although that's great too. Um, but the purpose is for an encounter with God, an encounter with Jesus. Um, Jesus, he addressed that when he was talking to the Jews, and he said, you search and keep on searching and examine the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Yet it is those very scriptures that testify about me. And so for me, when I um, open up my Bible, my goal is to encounter God. And I don't, I don't, I really don't want to finish my time if I don't feel like I've encountered him. I really, I really want to linger and to ask him. And I often start and I'll say, Holy Spirit, could you, like, come and meet me right now in this time? Because I don't, 
there's a lot of things I could be doing, and I don't want to just put in my time to kind of check off, okay, good, good Christian am I, you know, I read my Bible today, and I want, I want to encounter him, that's the whole purpose, is that I meet Jesus, I get to know him more, I get an understanding of who our Father is, that I, I have a revelation from the Holy Spirit, so um, when I open my Bible, I'm looking for my spirit to be moved. And I'm looking for, even if I don't have understanding necessarily, but I'm looking for that encounter with God where I know that I've met him and that, that kind of this has been a holy place. And I encourage you to do that too. Um, and we do need him. Like, we need him to reveal the Bible. The, the Bible is full of scriptures like that. First um, Corinthians 2 verse 11 says, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understand by his spirit, the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit understands God. The Holy Spirit understands you. And he's the one who's going to be able to translate his words into something that you will understand. So just take, you know, take that time and be like, Holy Spirit, come and meet me. And, um, and I, you know, if at all possible, don't leave until he has, because he will. Like, I think he kind of likes those challenges, right? Um, Psalm 119 is a, I, as I was reading, I was like, I should just preach on Psalm 119. It's all about the Word of God, the whole thing. It's the longest psalm in the Bible. It's the longest book of the Bible, and it's all about the Word of God. So if you are kind of struggling with believing that you really need to do this regularly or what's the value in this, read Psalm 119 for a while. Like, read it and reread it and highlight things and kind of listen to the message of it. Um, in that, psalm, I counted over 20 times that the psalmist asks God to teach him about his word. There's 20, more than 20 different references where he says things like, teach me, cause me to understand, cause me to comprehend, direct me. However, also in that same psalm, 119, I counted over 50 times that the writer says he will actively pursue knowing and understanding God's word. He says, I will obey your word. I have hidden your word in my heart. With my lips I will recount. I will meditate, delight in. I will not neglect. I have chosen. I hold fast. I sought out. I remember. I've put my hope in, etc., etc., etc. So there is this um, unity of we need the Holy Spirit to teach us and to unpack. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> to unpack his word. We need him. However, we have to be um, intentional about putting the time in, and we have to be present with him for him to unpack that, because he's not going to unpack it if we're not reading it, right, if we don't have it open. Um, okay, very quickly, I won't get too much into this, is as you read it and you hear what it says, do it. <laughs> Obey it. Um, that's, I, I, I feel like that's a key part that the Lord is waiting sometimes for us to do what he said. You know, we're like, I want more, I want more encounter, I want, do what he said. He, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Um, and later he says, true love for God means obeying his commandments, and his commandments don't weigh us down as heavy burdens. Because I think what happens as we fall in love with the Lord, 
more and more and in love with his word, there's a desire to please him. Like, I don't, I don't want to disobey him. I don't, there's, I don't want to do something that um, he's not going to be pleased with, right? And so it's, it's, it becomes this kind of um, circle of, I want to be in your word. I want to do what your word says. As I do what your word says, I fall in love with you more, and it becomes easier and easier to want to obey his commandments because we love him. So I don't say that as a heavy, like do what the Bible says. I say it as an invitation because as we obey him, um, I, I feel like there's, there's an opportunity for us to draw closer and get closer to his heart and um, fall in love with him more, which makes us just want to obey him more. It becomes this beautiful little cycle that we develop. So almost done here. Um, develop habits around it so that you can um, have a practice in your life of abiding in the Word of God. Because it's easy, as we all know, to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. But have a practice in your life. So maybe you start your day with it. That's, how, that's what I like to do. But maybe that doesn't work for you. Maybe you have, like, I'm going to do it at lunchtime, or I'm going to do it in the evening, or I'm going to do whatever. Um, have a practice around it and, and stick to it. Um, I, I have a rule for myself um, that I mostly stick to. Occasionally, I make an exception. I make the exception knowing that I'm making the exception, though, not like kind of falling into it, where I'm like, I don't want to get on, and I'm going to tell you guys. Oh, I'm going to be accountable to it. But <laughs> um, I don't want to get on social media until I've read the Word of God, because I'm like, why, why would I start my day with anything other than Him and encountering Him? Now, occasionally, I will make that exception, but Usually, um, that's my practice, and I'm, I, I try to be really diligent because I know, I know what happens. I, I, well, basically, I know what happens. If I start off with social media, it's like an engine that sucks me in, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm running out of time. So I just spend, I initially will spend my time with the Lord first, and I have a time even, like, you can't, you can't look at anything like that until this time of day kind of thing. So I just make up, you know, it's for myself. You guys do what you need to do for yourself. Um, but spend, spend time in it. And there's so many different ways you can do it. Caleb has done the, what's it called, the 30-day crush? Tread, shred, crush, shred, shred. Where you read the whole Bible in 30 days, right? You can do that. You can read it in little bits. You can um, listen to it. You can study it. You can sing it. You can journal it. I have a journal where... Um, for a while, I would just take, not even a verse, just like a phrase, and I would um, journal, like write about, write it in um, kind of an artistic way, because I'm an artist. And it just, it was just something that I really enjoyed doing, and, it, and I love it now, because I've got all these journals that I can like, oh yeah, remember this, and, and, and those words stick for me. So whatever it is, deep dive into it. There's lots of study guides. Um, you can um, imagine yourself in the story. Do any of you ever do that? You kind of put yourself in the story and imagine that you're right there. Um, you can meditate on it. There's lots of study books. There's lots of tools to help you online. I use Bible Hub a lot. That's um, it's uh, an online tool. That's where I get where I can research the Greek and the Hebrew words. Um, dive in. Usually, like my own practice is I usually I have my Bible. And then there's a couple other versions. I like to 
check sometimes um, and read, you know, see what it says in the amplified version or see what it says in this. That's, that's just my, I have a dictionary, a Bible dictionary that um, I like to use. So just whatever it is that works for you, find what works for you and dig into it and, and develop a practice. It's become something that, um, like, I love to do. You know, I've caught myself, I've caught myself thinking as I go to bed at night, like, oh, oh I can't wait for the morning so I can read my Bible. And I was like, oh, I just said that. <laughs> That's really cool, you know. So it becomes, um, it's become a very precious time because as I'm abiding in his word, um, I've come to realize and know that I'm actually abiding with him and that, that my time in his word is my time with him. So um, I am just going to, uh, can we have keys? Uh, yeah. I want to challenge you. I, want, I was just going to ask you if you could play a little bit, Ryan, and I just want to take a few minutes, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what is your next step? Because I think we can all grow in where, wherever we're at. Maybe you do have, like, I, I imagine many of you probably have um, practices in the Word of God. But I, what I felt is that the Holy Spirit has something else for you. Like, let's do this now. Or let's try this now. Or maybe you spend this amount of time. Maybe let's spend a little bit longer, like, now. Um, or maybe your habits have been kind of to read a book, and then another, maybe he's going to say, read through the whole book. Not that that's any better. I'm not, I'm just saying that I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to give everybody kind of a next step. So I'm just going to pray, and um, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come in to speak with you about this. And I also want to um, invite you if there's something that you're feeling right now, if you're feeling a kind of a conviction or a sense like, okay, I, I need to get this in line, or not even um, a conviction, but just I want to make this change and I want to partner with somebody. I want somebody to, st I want to stand with somebody and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Would you stand with me and pray with me together? I wanna, I'm going to invite you to come forward if that's you. If you just want somebody to stand beside you and say, yeah, I, I want to make this change in my life, or um, I have made this change and I just want more support in it, I'm just going to invite you to come forward, and we've got a prayer team that would love to pray with you. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come. Well, we know that you're here. We ask that you would speak. You love all your children here. You love every single one in the room, Lord. And I know that you're drawing every single one of us closer. And you're just saying, come a little closer. Come a little closer. I just ask that you would deposit into our hearts what, what the next step to come a little closer to you, God. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you so much. Lord, we love you. And we pray, I pray that today is... Um, just marks a day where, where we shift and grow even closer to you. And we, we learn how to go even deeper with you through your word. And we thank you that you're here. In Jesus' name.